Hey guys, it's Molly Huddleston, and you're listening to episode 10 of Generation GC, the podcast all about Good Charlotte, where we dive into the band's entire discography one song at a time. If you've been listening to the show for a bit and paid attention when I've mentioned dates and timing in the episodes, you've probably picked up on the fact that I tend to record pretty far in advance, up to two months or so out. Since it's such a niche topic with this show, and a lot of planning goes into what happens when in terms of the order of the episodes, I've found it helpful to plan really far out. So I wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded back in April. If you're wondering why we don't get into anything regarding the current Black Lives Matter protests, police brutality, and victims like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, it's because all of that hadn't happened at the time of recording. Police brutality obviously has been a really big issue in this country for a long time, but the protests and such that are happening had not taken place when Joel Funk and I were recording this episode. If you follow Generation GC on social media, particularly Twitter, which is where I've been the most active, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the stuff that I have been sharing. With protests in all 50 states and several countries around the world, this is the largest civil rights movement in history. That is incredible. We are making a change, but the fight isn't over yet. There are a lot of ways that you can help. If you feel safe protesting, go do that. And I wanted to note also that there are protests happening everywhere. And it's not just in major cities. I know a lot of people feel drawn to the major cities, the, the big cities, because you think, okay, that's that's where all the action is. But a lot of small towns are having protests too. And I think it's pretty cool to see stuff happening at a local level. You know, it may be a smaller protest, but... That would mean, if anything, that your voice means all that much more if you do go. And if you do go to a protest, please make sure that you wear a mask, that you social distance as possible, since coronavirus is still a thing that we are dealing with. You know, wash your hands, bring hand sanitizer, make sure that you shower afterwards, wash your clothes. And I also wanted to remind you that if you take photos of protesters for any reason, it's recommended that you block out people's faces. If you can afford to donate to local bail funds or to organizations like NAACP or the ACLU, that's also a great idea. They could really use your help, and even if it's a small donation, it makes a difference. A lot of bands are, you know, doing merch that raises money. I've seen a lot of photographers selling prints that they're going to donate profits for. So take a look at what your favorite creators are doing see how you can help. Another thing that you could do is run jail support if that's something that you feel called to do. I'll post a link below with more information and some guides. If you feel comfortable posting stuff and sharing on social media, that's an amazing way to increase visibility and awareness and to help spread education. But remember that even if you're not sharing on social media, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, that doesn't mean that you can't still take action. There's a lot of petitions going around, and that's a great way to show your support for a cause, even if you can't share time or money. There's also been several videos on YouTube. You know, people will make these, like, hour-long videos, run a whole bunch of ads, and then donate all of the funds from those ads 
to Black Lives Matter or other relevant organizations. I think that is a super cool idea. I also recommend looking up 8can'twait.org, which aims to reduce police violence by enacting eight policies in cities across the U.S. It was really informative for me to look at that and to see what change might actually look like, right? Because we, we all know that police brutality and police violence is an issue, but how do we change? What, you know, what, what, what do we need to do? What, what policy do we need to put into place in order to make that not be a thing that happens ever again? And a few personal, more lighthearted recommendations that I did want to share. I really encourage everyone, check out books, check out music, check out art, check out TV shows, etc. by Black creators. One book that I really loved, I mean, loved, loved, loved recently is called Who Put This Song On? And it's by Morgan Parker. It's a somewhat fictionalized account of her high school experience. From what I understand, she basically wrote it from her own diaries. It's, oh my god, it, it, it's incredible. It deals with race and it deals her, it deals with race and it deals with her experience growing up black in a school in an area that was not dominated by black people that had a lot of white people. It deals with her mental health and depression. She talks about that in a way that I found so real and that I also found very true to the way that like my 14 or 15 year old self experienced things. You know, the, the way that you might describe your mental health or mental illness as an adult, it's not the same that you would describe it if you are a teenager. So I think it's really fun. And a lot of the stories in that book center around music. Um, she loves music. She loves a lot of emo music. Good Charlotte does get a little mention in the book. It's very small, but it was super funny. I, I loved it. I like Snapchatted on my friends when I got to that part. A lot of companies have made statements showing their support for this movement, which is really cool. But one that I wanted to shout out is Ben and Jerry's. They did not hold back. Their statement said, among other things, that we must dismantle white supremacy and silence is not an option. So if it is hot where you are, uh, it's been super hot and humid where I am in New Jersey, and I hate it. I like the heat. I like summer. I don't like humidity. If it is hot or if you just need some ice cream, go buy Ben & Sherry's. I mean, they make a whole lot of delicious ice cream flavors anyway. They have a lot of dairy and non-dairy flavors. So me being vegan, I love that. And yeah, now you know that this this company really stands on the right side of history. Something I'm hoping to do personally is to diversify my guests on Generation GC. I've gotten a few recommendations from friends for non-white artists who, you know, fit in this kind of alternative emo, punk, pop punk, etc. scene that might be the type of artists that like Good Charlotte and that might want to come on the show and talk about their favorite GC song and whatever comes along with that. If you have any suggestions, please send them to me. I'm always looking for suggestions of people that might want to come on the show or that you would want to hear on the show. But this is a, an extra special shout out that I, I really want diversity to be a thing that happens here. And I don't want it to be about, you know, here's your, here's your token person of 
a different background. I don't want it to be that. I don't think that helps anything. But I do want to make sure that it's representative. You know, I know that the scene is not 100% white. The scene is not 100% straight. And I know that good Charlotte fans are very diverse too. So please always hit me with your recommendations. That's uh, that's about all for the intro. I know this has been a pretty long intro, but I had a lot to say. So I wanted to share. Anyway, now on to our episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Generation GC podcast. My name is Molly Huddleston. I am your host. And today I am here with a dear friend of mine, Joel Funk. Joel is a music journalist. We have been internet friends for many, many years. We got to hang out and road trip to a show together last summer, which was a lot of fun. Joel currently writes for Substream Magazine and The Alternative, two wonderful publications. And we're going to be talking about My Bloody Valentine from The Young and the Hopeless. Last week's episode talked about Screamer, and next week we are going to be talking about a song from The Chronicles of Life and Death. Joel, hello. Hi, Molly. Joel, I am so excited. So... I'm going to introduce our song briefly and then dive into a lot we're going to discuss. Okay, sounds fun. Yeah, so My Bloody Valentine is track seven on Good Charlotte's 2002 sophomore album, The Young and the Hopeless. Was not a single, no music video or anything, but they played it live a ton, so I don't feel like it really qualifies as a deep cut, right? Uh, right? It's a pretty popular song. There's a lot to talk about with this song oh my god and at the end we're gonna make a judgment on whether this song is genuinely scary and creepy or is it romantic so joel when i reached out to you about this podcast you mentioned my bloody valentine as a song that you were excited to talk about why did you want to talk about this song in particular uh, well, My Bloody Valentine is, it goes back and forth between this and The River being my yeah. favorite songs from Good Charlotte. Okay. Um, I think both of those songs showcase, like, the best kind of storytelling songwriting they do, where it's not so mm-hmm. much just, like, like, the anthem was what it was, right? It's it's an, it's an, it's an anthem, song, yeah. big hook. But My Bloody Valentine, it just paints such a vivid story, and I just, I like getting lost in that. Sure. So had you heard Good Charlotte's music? Like, what was your first exposure to their music? Was it, like, with this song, or had you heard other stuff before? I heard uh, the anthem first. I have two pretty distinct memories with Good Charlotte. The first okay. being um, the video for the anthem was playing. It was, like, an MTV spanking new video. Yep, yep. And I remember watching that and then immediately changing the channel to Nickelodeon to watch the first episode of Drake and Josh. <laughs> Mood, big mood. Like, <laughs> big like mood. back to back. <laughs> Those two will always be joined at the hip for me. Yeah. And then uh, after that, a little bit of time had passed. I had started, I was in third grade when The Young and the oh Hope was Oh my God. Okay. Um, so I was like just starting to like ask for CDs of my own and like yeah. trying to. So um, interestingly enough, the CD that I had been asking for was actually Some 41's All Killer No Filler, which came out, I believe, the same year. Yeah, I think around the same time anyway. Yeah, and uh, I got that. And then a girl that I, I don't know if I had like a 
crush crush on, but I was definitely like pretty into, um, had said that her favorite band was uh, Good Charlotte, and we rode the bus together. So oh, there you go. And I did a whole bunch of trading. I got that album, uh, the Sum 41 album, and then asked around if anybody had a copy of <laughs> The Young and the Hopeless that they would trade for... Uh, right, because you're third grade. You can't just drive to the mall and, and right, buy a seat yourself. I couldn't just roll in and buy a copy of it, so I had to get creative. So I ended up trading a kid named McConnell, uh, got the album, and I've just kind of I've been in love with them ever since. So, so wait, did did anything ever come of this this crush? No, I mean we we <laughs> talked about Good Charlotte a lot, but yeah. other than other than the, like the school bus memories I have, mm-hmm. uh, nothing ever really came from it. I mean, I guess I have that memory, and I right. I've talked about it before, but it's weird how vivid that is for me. Yeah, I that's that's fair. I I I will say not to you know stray too far away, but when I was in third grade, I was listening to like Sugar Ray and Ricky Martin and the oh, Eighteens. Yeah. Uh, okay. To be fair, Good Charlotte had not put out their self-titled when I was in third grade, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So my bloody Valentine. So this song tells the story of a guy who kills a girl's boyfriend ostensibly because he's in love with this girl yeah absolutely supposedly inspired by edgar Allan poe's short story the telltale heart what i mean what is your interpretation of the lyrics is there anything you would want to add or anything you see differently i mean i think it's i think it was just kind of conveniently uh like tacked on to telltale heart just because they mention it in the song yeah um I don't know. I think the song, uh, I'm just trying to, th- it, it is what it is. I just feel like it was, you know, heat of the moment, over dramatic kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, that's typically what makes the best pop punk is just being as over the top and melodramatic yeah. as so. so, so do you think that over dramatic, and, and not to say that we have to separate these two emotions, but is it jealousy or is it like an anger? Ooh, okay. I mean, the two really, I think, go hand in hand. Um, mm-hmm. One's gonna, sp- you can't really. You, one's gonna spark the other, right? So jealousy right. might not start out as anger, often start out as like insecurity, but eventually right. it's it's gonna build. It'll up like to the- lead to. Yeah, exactly. It's to gonna anger. continue to snowball until you get to the point where uh, you decide they're gonna rip out that girl's boyfriend's throat and call <laughs> on the telephone. So right, which you know, I jealousy can be a monster. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, jealousy can definitely lead people to do things they might might not otherwise do. Um, we'll talk more about the song, but I wanted to mention some kind of different theories, I guess, on possible origins of the title. So okay. there's obviously the band My Bloody Valentine. There was a slasher film released in 1981 called My Bloody Valentine. There is also a standard My Funny Valentine. So, I don't know. I, I What do you think is kind of the most likely explanation? My money is on the, the slasher film. Um, yeah. I feel like that's so in... That was so in their wheelhouse at the time, and it's like... I feel like uh, slasher films kind of go hand in hand. You think Good Charlotte, AFI, mm-hmm. like bands that were really inspired by these slasher films. Yeah. Uh, I think the band My Bloody Valentine would be like a really cool snobby origin story if the Madden Brothers ever wanted to pretend it was anything but a horror movie. Right, right. Uh, 
Yeah, I haven't because I, I wa- like I was reading up on, you know, the song and, and everything and I didn't find anything that was like definitive, but I agree with you. I feel like the slasher film to me is like my most likely inclination of what it is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I didn't find anything that was like definitive. Uh, yeah. I wanted I wanted to note something from a review of the album on Pop Matters. Sure that pointed to this song and told them to work on those song titles, lads. And I would like to defend this song (laughs) title. I think My Bloody Valentine is a great song title. Am I getting heated right now? Yes. I mean, it's a damn good title. Yeah, it's dramatic, but it's emotional, you know? It's not my gory Valentine. It's my bloody Valentine and and blood and the heart and... Love. I'm, it's it's also emotional. I I think it's kind of fantastic. So yeah, I mean, it, it works if you look at the if you look at the song the, to play out like a movie. I mean, it does. Yeah. it reads very cinematic. So I mean, my bloody Valentine. It clearly worked as movie title on its own. So yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I wonder what this guy thinks of like Panic at the Disco song titles from their first few albums. Oh God. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Well, let's talk about we're we're I know we're kind of jumping around from what my uh, outline was, but this song is very cinematic. Why did this song never get a music video? I think uh, they were. I mean, I, I think that their label knew their demo was right. predominantly younger, right? And um, if you had to choose between songs like "Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous" or "My Bloody Valentine" to try to sell the children. Right. You're probably gonna pick. Uh, you're probably gonna pick the lifestyles of the rich and the famous. But right. I think this would have been a music video single if it had been saved for like the chronicles of life and death. Right. I I feel like by that point, both with where they were with their albums, as well as like where fans were, exactly. people might have gotten it. And, and not to say it would have to be like a slasher film playing out on screen per se, but. I think a lot of bands in between like eighties and nineties rock and like the two thousands pop, like mall pop punk. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them were just afraid to break away from like a clean cookie cutter image. And then I don't think the, like the, the gory, not gory, I guess, like the really dark and like thought provoking music videos. Really. I feel like that started with, uh, Bands like My Chem when it was when it mm-hmm. came to MTV at least, and that so. was and and My Chem was even a couple of years after. Well, no, it was like a year later. I think a year or two later. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If we're talking about like I'm not okay and Helena and everything, right? But, but in in my searching of this song, uh, I did find a fan made music video from it was, it, it was incredible. Yeah, so this music video, and I'll include a link to this video in the description. And now I feel like. I have to get this guy on the show for like a follow-up. Incredible. Yeah. So in 2011, Eric Harris uploaded this fan-made video to the show. He made it for an intro to broadcasting class. At, it looks like a community college, and it essentially plays out the narrative of the song. A crazy jealous guy kills this girl's boyfriend, shows up at her house. His shirt is covered in blood. Um, the cops come up, you see the cops come in, and at the end of the video, he washes his bloody hands. It's, it's, I mean, 
for what it is for a community college project, it's yeah. like it's incredible. I mean, it was cool that he was able to pull it all off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do like that it was like it looks very 2011 as well. Like the video oh, yeah. quality is not terrible, but yeah. it's. I, I wonder if it was made in 2011 or if it was made closer uh, like to when the was... album came out. Because okay. if you think about if it had been made around when the album came out, it was made before YouTube was a thing. That's true. You know, YouTube, I think, was like 2005 or 2006. So um, I, I guess, and I also just realized, like, it clicked when I was just re-watching this video before we hop on this call that, you know, normally YouTube flags any kind of video yeah. that used the song, and this clearly was not flagged. So I guess they got the rights somehow. Uh, it was also uploaded in October 2011, like, which is about a month, two months after Good Charlotte went on hiatus. Oh, interesting. So I maybe there was something because they were sort of in between labels or whatever that there was a right. loophole. Maybe the guy actually got the rights. I mean, I, well, I don't I wonder, know. I wonder if there might be a grace period for older videos. Um, oh. When you think of like all the comic sans and like yeah. her YouTube lyric videos that were just somebody typing on Windows Movie Maker. Yeah. Like a lot of those still have their audio as well. That's a good point. But. Um, yeah, I mean, I prefer the theory that while Good Charlotte was on hiatus, I just didn't care. <laughs> I, I I wonder that too, right? That that maybe this guy was like, oh, shit, they're on hiatus? Oh, I can finally upload this video to the internet. Uh, so right. I don't know. But now I'm, now I like really want to find this guy and, and reach out to him. Oh yeah, get him on for sure if you can. Yeah, why not? Uh, so I want to talk about, back to the song itself. So... <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going around. If you like Google like song facts about Good Charlotte, My Bloody Valentine, people will mention Edgar Allan Poe and the story, The Telltale Heart. Yeah. Uh, the second verse of the song ends, no telltale heart was left to find when you mourn the death of your bloody Valentine. Which- there is a quote from an interview that I'll, I'll mention, but first of all, my question for you is, have you read that story? Yeah, years ago. It was, um, yeah, I read it in my short stories class my freshman year of college. I think I read it like I was probably in high school and I went to a Barnes and Noble and found like an Edgar Allan Poe anthology and read it because, yeah. like, I, I knew that this good Charlotte song was sort of about it. Um, right. so what, what I'll, I'll read this quote. So in 2003. Uh, there was an interview with Sorted Magazine, which is an Irish website, right around the album release when they first played in Ireland. And in this interview, Joel says, I wrote about something and I took it, twisted it, and incorporated like a fantasy. But it was all out of my head, kind of like a jealous moment. Then I kind of took it, twisted it, and made it a little darker. Then they added music to it. It's totally Edgar Allan Poe. So from there, I mean, is your feeling that it was intentionally meant to be inspired by the Telltale Heart? Or was it more, you know, they just kind of want to get an Edgar Allan Poe, like, vibe? I think they probably, the song probably started before the Telltale Heart uh, imagery was there. I think once 
I think once they started and had a general direction on where it was going, um, it was easier to build off of. And when if they probably figured, oh, we could probably work a telltale heart into this. Right. Um, my, based on what we have already. My kind of feeling, because, I mean, obviously I, I knew the song and knew all the words to the song before I found, you know, that that reference or, oh, you know, Edgar Allan Poe, Telltale Heart. Right. And when, when you go on, like, you know, a, a GeoCities or Angel Fire, <laughs> you know, fan website in 2003, people list, you know, Good Charlotte facts and they just say, oh, My Bloody Valentine was inspired by Edgar Allan Poe, Telltale Heart. You know, they yeah. don't necessarily source everything or right. explain it or or say what's verified i i think i you know i remember like when i finally read the telltale heart i was like uh like like they yeah, telltale heart's it. pretty like it's like this is so the song it's a this song is great it's dark it's entertaining a telltale heart is just like dark yeah yeah i feel like it's you know my current interpretation and and view is that they read maybe they or maybe they didn't read the telltale heart because you know so supposedly they had not actually read this book good charlotte before naming the band that um yeah and they just thought it was a cool name (laughs) anyway so maybe they didn't read it maybe maybe they just wrote this song and thought oh this feels kind of edgar Allan poe hey you know what's what's like an edgar Allan poe reference we could yeah. throw in here yeah i wonder if uh if it was reactionary like uh blink 182 they wrote the song going away to college like yeah. 15 minutes after watching the movie can't hardly wait wow um and it was pretty much inspired by the general feeling of that movie so i wonder if maybe Maybe they had just read it to Telltale Heart, and this is kind of a reactionary, Maybe. I bet I could do it better kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely not like, because my, my memory of Telltale Heart is obviously a little fuzzy, but it's definitely not like a, a literal song interpretation. Oh, no, not at all. Story. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I would be curious to know, like, did they... Did they read it? Like, where where did they pull that inspiration? I want to know all the details. Yeah, honestly, same. I feel like the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking it was probably reactionary. They probably read it for the first time yeah. while they were writing for this album. And I, I just... wonder if – I want to know if Billy had anything to do with that just because he was always sort of the goth one. Oh, like the true goth. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was like yeah. the one holding it down for him just in case. Right, right. Like, like the rest of them were these like pop punk kids that were – also yeah. kind of edgy and and dark and had some yeah. goth moments but Billy, Billy... Billy's like there to prove good Charlotte's not all industry plants. <laughs> yes. Hey, they are not industry <laughs> plants. <laughs> no, he's he's the goth kid uh, or the goth adult. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. So do you remember the website Joel songmeanings.com? I wish I had more of a relationship with it. Um, so, I see. I imagine it's kind of like what Genius is right now. Yes. So, songmeetings.com still exists. Oh, fun. But it and stuff is still added to it, but I don't think it's you know as popular now because you have something like Genius. 
Genius is a website where lyrics are uploaded and artists can add like official interpretations. Yep. Songmeetings.com was just fan comments. So sometimes it was people talking about what they thought the song meant. Okay. But sometimes it was, you know, did they like the song or did they? It was either the actual yeah. like interpretation or just a review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know okay. it, it's like the internet in the early two thousands. So you know, yeah. Uh, so I read some of the comments for this song. Um, a lot of people said the song is scary. Like all of the comments, most of the comments from you know two thousand two, two thousand three, shortly after the album came out, were how scary the song was. That was a word that came up a lot. Okay. Uh, there was one that I really liked that said, this song is hot, four exclamation points. <laughs> Murder can be so hot, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, quotes the song and says, that's sexy. And he sounds sexy singing it too. I mean, she's not wrong. Uh, right. This is also, I think, my favorite uh, Joel like, vocal d- delivery on this album. You um, think? Yeah, I think I, there's something about it where it's like, it's in between like the kind of whiny nature that he ha- like the whiny tone he has on like right. the anthem or lifestyles and yeah. like the super somber sounds of like uh hold on or something hold on or... yeah hold on or waiting like i don't know i think he just sounds somewhere in the middle of like yeah i care but not 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 too much here's some blood and gore yeah so here's also murder can be hot <laughs> Well, okay, but to be fair, I feel like this was, you know, at least a decade before people started getting really into, like, the serial killer podcasts and and such. But now that's, like, a big thing. Well, she probably is. You know what it is? I think it's the passion and the charisma. Yes. Yes. Because this this guy is in love with this girl. Oh, totally. You know what the song reminds me of? What? Is uh, You, the Netflix show. Like, yeah. This, this is this is Joe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I okay. So I haven't watched the second season. Oh, okay. But um, I watched the first season, and I I've heard that the second season is like more messed up. Oh, for sure. So the first season, it, it, you know, it had a nice build to oh my god, this guy's actually a complete psycho. Right. Um, the second season is just like oh yeah, he's a psycho. Oh my We're going to show you that he's a psycho. Wow. Okay. So I don't want you to spoil it for me or for anyone listening because I haven't watched right. it. Um, but yeah, this is, it's just, it, it makes me think of Joe Goldberg. Yeah. But I, I feel like this was also before, you know, stalking was, or, or terrible male behavior before, before all of that was, <laughs> you know, really talked about in our society. And for sure, there's something else I wanted to bring up. So this was a piece on the brag that talked about pop punk and a lot of internalized misogyny uh, surrounding Jesse Lacey and brand new. So it was released a couple of years ago, like around the time that all of that happened. Right. So this piece Uh, The author quoted, when Good Charlotte sang about murdering a girl's boyfriend to be with her on My Bloody Valentine, I thought it was hopelessly romantic. Uh, 
later on in the piece, and, and she mentions, you know, taking back Sunday and, and brand new and that feud and, and a, a whole lot of bands that came out around that time. And there's another quote in the piece that says, the girls in these songs were either put on pedestals or thrown under the bus. They were never rendered as whole or autonomous, just fantasies or bitches who dared to make their own needs and thoughts known. So do you, I don't know, do you think that this song is misogynistic? Oh, no. The misogyny song on this album is uh, Girls and Boys. Yeah. Uh, I I, I don't know. I, I, could sort of see where that's coming from just just in the sense of and i agree that girls and boys is definitely the more like misogynistic song and even something like riot girl you know i feel like i feel like if they were to write riot girl in 2020 they would have written a much different song much different song yeah Um, i think that's got more to do with education and like yeah totally but because no, I think our conversation, like, about, you know, femininity and, and misogyny yeah. and stuff has changed a lot. Um, what I guess could could possibly be considered, to me, misogynistic about this song, and I'm not necessarily saying I agree, mm-hmm. is the idea that, you know, he goes and kills this girl's boyfriend without even asking her if she wants to be with him instead. Oh, I thought you were going to say without even asking if she wants him to murder him. No, like, no, no, but, it, but oh it's, like, it's like, you know, he, he the, the character of this song goes and, and murders the girl's boyfriend with the idea that, oh, he will die and then she and I will be together. Uh without even asking if she wants to be with him, just like assuming. Right. And maybe even like, miso- I feel like misogynistic might not even be the right exact word, but. Yeah. See, I have this weird, like I have like my own story written, like for what was going Ooh. on in this song. Okay. So, like, I, gu- I guess hearing the explanation of the possible misogyny makes sense. But for some reason, like, from the time I started looking at songs and trying to like creatively analyze them or like create something around them. Mm-hmm. This one to me has always been like the boyfriend was verbally abusive. Mm, and so okay. it was, I still think there's a little bit of misogyny in there because they're kind of trying to play a hero complex and being right. Like, and, I, and it's, you still don't know if the girl even wanted to be with you in the oh, first for place. Sure, for sure. But I just, so I guess that, Excuse my interpretation of the song as mm-hmm. I always picture it as like this romantic like he act. he was a boy that you know yeah sorry should... my first instinct was to say she was a girl and was right but... no that's that's an interesting and that was honestly not something that occurred to me I will say that like when I was 11 12 13 years old I thought this song was pretty romantic Oh yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh my god, a guy that's you know willing to go to such lengths. Oh, that's yeah. I blame Underworld. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, but I obviously you know I'm I'm 28 now, so obviously I have many more years of life behind me. Um, So let's let's talk about this. Do you think that this song is like? 
a complete dramatization and made up story about a real feeling? Or is it just a completely fictional story, nothing pulled from personal experience? Oh, I don't think there's any such thing as a complete fictional story where nothing's pulled from personal experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The human mind, the human, like, imagination is great but i mean you have to pull from somewhere right so it every fantasy is just a really dressed up version of someone getting up and going to work Um, no good 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 point i think i i think when i was again 11 years old and heard this album for the first time i was like oh they totally made this up because i i didn't necessarily like have the ability to like process emotions and and realize that a, right. a fictional plot could be about real emotions and, and right. you know, obviously don't contone <laughs> violence like this, but you know, yeah, jealousy can be really powerful. Um, do you know, do you know who Conan Gray is? Uh, only through you. Um, <laughs> oh my God. I love Conan Gray. So yeah. have, have you listened to his song Heather? No, I have not. So Heather, Conan Gray is a, a, pop singer he just put out his first album kid crow i absolutely love it so there's a song on this album called heather and it's basically heather is conan is in love with a person this person is in love with heather doesn't like conan back and so heather conan is just singing about how he like hates heather and like wants her to die and and then he you know has said in interviews that like no heather is a nice person but like yeah i effing hated her yeah romantic jealousy it like it brings out something carnal in people yeah it's it's like a natural instinct to get like almost territorial which is so weird and like borderline gross to say out loud oh yeah but like it's just a such a primal instinct and the second Romantic jealousy is so much different than, like, I'm jealous that you have this thing that I want. Like, there's right. something about it where right. your brain has decided this is what we, this is, this is ours. This is what we, yeah. Is, and it's just a weird, like, a, a switch. Yeah, it's, it, you know, without, without diving too deep into personal experiences here, yeah, it's, it's hard. And it's, like, you can kind of in your mind, I will say, like, from my experience, you can kind of in your mind go, okay, you know, I have no pull on them. They do not owe me anything. This other person, I can maybe even say on paper that this other person is a better fit for them than me, but... That, oh, but I still hate them. Yeah, I hate them. We might have been <laughs> friends before, but I hate them now because yeah. they have what I want. Yep. Absolutely. It's... So- I wonder, is Conan Gray, are they queer? So Conan has not publicly, you know, came out per se. Okay. Um, He, and Conan uses uh, he, him pronouns. Okay. Has not came out or labeled himself, has said he prefers not to label himself. Okay. Uh, So it's not officially clear, but... Okay, it's just because, like, I I identify with that so much. Where it's like, mm-hmm. growing up, a little gay boy, you're like, you 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 develop crushes on 
I mean, who's around. So it's predominantly straight boys. And then right. they have a crush on some girl that you might be friends with or you're <laughs> just like, and there's something about it. Like, I guess that romantic jealousy, like you, you feel it so quick, so fast. It's just like, I get it, Conan. And I get yeah. it, Joel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my high school crush was never officially out, but pretty you know was was eventually pretty sure he was gay but was never out and and the one boy that i remember him that everyone kind of thought he was with i just remember being like oh i hate him i hate him yeah. no he was like super nice yeah. he was super nice and of course this this guy didn't want me right <laughs> but he has what you want so he's bad right, right. he's bad he's bad you know and it's like i you know what i'm 28 and like that shit it's still hard, so... Oh, yeah. No, 100%. What I'm saying is, you know, I, I think with this song, I went through, definitely went through a period of, like, oh, this song is just, like, overdramatic, it's bad, it's it's violent, and I I, <laughs> I just want to say now that, like, I get it a lot more that, oh, for sure. that you can have those feelings of jealousy that really are, like, that... They blind you. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's it's terrible. You wanna you wanna take down this other person, and in the case of my bloody Valentine, quite literally, you want to take them down. Yeah, for sure. Rip out their throat. Yeah. So, do you have any memories or stories that you want to share about this song specifically, Joel? Um, I don't have any specific memories tied to it. I mean, it was a good song for all my unrequited little gay crushes in middle school <laughs> and high school. But um, yeah, no, no memories attached to it. I did want to talk about um, also a thing I thought for a very long time hearing this song is when he says, I ripped out his throat and called you on the telephone. Mm-hmm. Um, my brain went to, he like took the throat and like put it over his own to try to sound like the boyfriend when he called. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right. Okay. And then okay. the take off my disguise part was, you know, he had he came over and then revealed. Oh, that okay. Yeah, I don't. I had like a, literally this entire movie in my head when I hear this song. Like I have, like I can see the characters, I can see the setting. I mean, I read a lot of fan fiction about this song. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't write any fan fiction about this song. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, I I don't think I ever heard that though the thing about ripping out his throat, but I like that a lot because yeah you know you it, and that makes sense too with what we've been talking about with jealousy is like you know the person that you like likes or is with someone else for a and reason you're, right and and you're like oh well maybe if I'm just more like them exactly. they'll want me instead yeah exactly yeah oh that's that's good okay yeah that. That makes a lot of sense. I never picked that up with this song. Yeah, it's just, like I said, it's just a weird, like I had this whole cinematic moment up, up in there. If I ever decide yeah. to bring it to life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would watch it. I would watch it. Yeah. Would it be like a short film or like a full length? Oh, I think it, it mm, that's hard. I think a short film that leaves room to be adapted. Okay. Right. Like, like it, wanna... it could be like like a pilot kind of thing. Yeah, you want to make sure you've got enough attention that you know is worth investing more of the story. So okay. I'd want I'd want you to feel fulfilled watching the short film, but feeling like you wanted more. Okay. Okay. Time. Yeah. I 
would it be like a, a very i mean it, it seems like it'd be something that'd be like very graphic oh yeah for sure it would um i don't think there's a way with this song to, to, to not like my interpretation of it anyway for it to not be graphic yeah um but i mean people like that they, they flock to horror movies when they come out right like yeah that's horror true movies regularly and they keep making them because they sell, you know? I mean, and, and that, that show, You, is hugely popular. Like, oh, yeah. So, ooh, yeah. Okay, okay. So it will be, yeah, okay. I would I would watch this. I would watch this. Yeah, thank you. Well. Welcome. So something I wanted to bring up was the track listing on this album. Oh, it's sandwiched, man. <laughs> yeah. So this is track seven on the album. Track five was The Story of My Old Man. Track six, Girls and Boys. Track seven, My Bloody Valentine. Track eight, Hold On. And then track nine is is Riot Girl. Yeah, so, I mean, that that track listing really it creates it creates a very interesting narrative, right? If you were to just yeah. look at those songs, you've got the story of my old man, right? Yeah. Uh, he's recalling all the reasons that he is the way that he is. My dad brought yep. that on me. You've got Girls and Boys where he's just full on girls don't like boys they like what they can give them right because he's jealous of this other boy okay oh okay okay and i'm seeing that got, now okay and then okay. you got my bloody valentine where he is like he's he's done he's drunk he's mad he knows that he'll never have her but this guy shouldn't have her either so he kills him mm, okay you've got, hold, you've got hold on which is you know he's he had a, that momentary break of sanity and then hold on is just trying to like hold on to it yeah literally just hold on to some sense of normalcy and then you've got riot girl where he's now totally obsessed with someone new see that i i actually like that explanation a lot for girls and boys into my bloody valentine because i I was spinning the album today and i was kind of like what and and i don't know if it was necessarily intended to be like a narrative like that oh no i've totally strung that together yeah I, you know, maybe maybe there's fan fiction about that. Maybe there's like a fan fiction that you know goes through the album song by song. Like there that. is. It's called You Season Two. <laughs> now I feel like I should see if I watch You Season Two because I watched the first season because it was everyone was talking about it, yeah. but I didn't find it to be like very engaging. Um, did you ever watch Dexter? No. Okay, so I had the same issue the first time I watched Dexter, and then okay. I was like, the way I look at the way I'm trying to look at TV now is that no TV show's good until at least four episodes in, right? I mean, I watched the whole first season of You. Yeah, but I don't think you're supposed to be engaged by what by Joe. You're not. You're supposed to be like this guy's sinister. You're not supposed to feel. No, but I mean, like, I just wasn't engaged in, like, what was happening, you know? I Like, yeah. I, I I was like, okay, like, I'm going to finish this because I started it, but I, yeah. it, it didn't, like, grab my attention. Yeah, the first season was a slow build into psychosis. The second okay. season, I feel like if you – it's it's a lot more edgier seat, so, like, you'll be – Okay. You'll want to keep going. Should I rewatch the first season, or, or oh, am I okay? Not. Absolutely okay. not. Okay, just um, go on a second. Okay. Yeah. No, there's only a there's very little crossover. So Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm well my my current T V thing has been uh rewatching Degrassi. Um Where are you watching it? Uh, it's on YouTube, dude. Oh, okay, sick. Yeah, and I, I have YouTube on my TV, so you can look up uh PSA to anyone listening. You can look up on YouTube 
Degrassi, you know, season one, episode one, press play and it'll play and just go right through and it'll autoplay everything. Uh, And then, of course, that's Degrassi, the next generation. And then, of course, the next class series is on Netflix. Okay. So it's it's very easily accessible online. Uh, But I'm doing that. And I guess the catfish season ended, but... uh, there is a new episode of Merit at First Sight tonight. Okay. I just, I just, I just uh, powered through Tiger King. See, I don't think I'm going to watch that. Oh, I fully was going to tell you not to watch it. Um, yeah, because everyone is just like, it's just going to piss me off seeing animal su- abuse. It's super graphic. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things where like, once you start watching, it's hard to look away from because you're just trying to figure out how is any of what's going on legal? Like, right. it's truly, it's insane. And it's like, it's like, it's like watching a car crash. Like you want to look away, you know, you shouldn't be looking, but. Right. But it's just going to like upset you. Right. And yeah. then I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Because I, I've been told I would like that a lot. I like Mike Schur, the writer of that show a lot. Uh, he uh-huh. did The Good Place and Parks and Rec. Okay. Um, and he I like a Parks bit on and the Rec. Office. But there's something, I don't know why I was turned off to it. I guess maybe because it was uh, a Fox show for a while. So, mm. I, But I don't know. I've been watching that because I need laughs. Uh, yeah. Like if I can't be talking to people, I need to be like mindlessly entertained almost. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's been Degrassi for me. It, oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's comfort. comfort. Yeah, it's it's comfort TV, and you know, d- conveniently, you know, two 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 or three friends of mine are also binging Degrassi, oh, so perfect. have have Why like is that actually not your other podcast, right? You know, you know, that's oh my god. As I've been thinking about that, I'm like every episode I watch now. Wait, Molly, can you please and can you please call it quarantine drama? Like <laughs> have the, no, the I, quarantine be T E E N. Man, I I don't know. I want to get this show, you know, off the ground and okay. You know, we'll come af- back to quarantine drama. Yeah, after quarantine's ending anytime soon. Oh God! After I, you know, left the the outlets that I was writing for last year, I, I mean, even after I had ended Circles and Soundwaves two years ago, I was like, I am never like starting my own thing again. Oh, I know. Uh, but this so far, this has felt really good to me because it's like this is something I can do on my own terms, and I don't have to be following the rules of of you know making sure I, I get a press release up in time or or right. coverage whatever. It's it has a little more freedom in that way, and it's it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, oh, well, I'm happy to hear that. Thank Everybody you. needs a good creative outlet, and I think this is. Obviously, you're very passionate about good oh, show. Yeah. So I think, oh, yeah. I think when you're able to find something where you're you're super passionate about it and it's fun Ex- to just talk about your favorite songs anyway. Exactly. So. so back to My Bloody Valentine. So how has this song held up for you over time? Oh, so this was not always one of my favorite Good Charlotte songs. Really? It, yeah. Um, it was – well, you know, when I had the album and then through middle school and high school, like – this was such a good skip song because it was between two great songs. Mm-hmm. So like you didn't feel like you were necessarily missing anything going right, from right, girls right. and boys into hold on because I was like, Oh duh. These are two huge songs. Right. 
I think when I I saw a good Charlotte on that that uh, the small venue tour they did with Less Than Jake, and I want to say maybe Crown the Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when I knew I was definitely going to that, I started to re-listen to the entire discography. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, one, really, I think, appreciated how great The Young and the Hopeless is. Oh, my God, yeah. I think it's maybe the best Good Charlotte record. Um, yeah. But this song in particular really stood out to me because of just how just how I don't know how romantic and dark and how like I like the big gesture yeah well big gesture yeah you know what I can't disagree that it's a big gesture yeah I'm talking with my hands here you can't see it yeah I like the big gesture gesture. (laughs) so uh, yeah I mean I I feel like I I mean I kind of talked about it earlier but I think I went sort of back and forth on this song but yep as I've been, you know, re-listening to it for the show and everything, I, I feel like it's held up pretty well. And like I said, especially as I've kind of, you know, understood feelings of jealousy, I think a little more, uh, I like get those feelings a little more and definitely appreciate the storytelling more. Oh yeah. Yep. So, okay. Judgment time. What is our final feeling on this song? And, And we don't necessarily have to agree. So what is what is your final feeling on this song? Is it? It's one big, grand romantic gesture. This is, this is just showing that he is so passionate about the way he feels for you that he's willing to go to the ends of the earth, almost literally. I would say it is. It's very misguided romantic. Yeah, because I, I more so do see the piece of like he never even asked the girl if she wants to be with him oh <laughs> like, truly but i mean how many <laughs> love songs are written with permission true true also a good point also a good point so yes. uh joel what has good charlotte meant to you over the years and how has that changed or has it changed anyway so good charlotte you know they're, they're kind of like a comfort food thing for me i know i yeah. can put it on and i can I can sort of mindlessly still sing along without even knowing that I'm doing it. Um, mm-hmm. They're up there with like Blink-182 for me and, that, and like Bowling for Soup. Yeah. It's like bands I've loved for so long that they're almost a part of my personality at this point. Yeah. Um, I did go through a phase, like I feel like everybody does, where they're like, oh, I'm too cool for that. It's so lame. Oh, yeah. It's so like there was a point in time where I was like, oh, Blink-182 is just crappy. And now I'm like... I will fight in the name of Blink-182. Yeah, you you, you even appreciate Blink-182's most recent material, which I have not been entirely won over by. Yeah, I think um, a review <laughs> I read of Blink's last album said it felt more like a plus 44 album, and I was like, good, that's what I wanted anyway. Uh, I But I, I will even say now that like my opinions on Blink's latest material are definitely colored by my view that Blink should have ended when Tom left again. Oh yeah, for sure. But um, but yeah. Again, back to this. I think you know I went through that phase where I was like, oh, I'm way too cool for that. I listen. I only listen mm-hmm. to like Pitchfork indie rock. I like <laughs> the Hotel Year in the World is exclusively, and nobody could touch them. Which are also uh, great bands. They're great bands, sure, absolutely. But there's something about hearing a man in his twenties 
in the rain <laughs> being yeah. like, I will kill for you. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, like, yes, this, I, I like that the song literally has these like rain sounds kind of at the yeah. beginning and end. Uh, because of course it, it has to happen in the pouring rain. Thunderstorms. Right. And it really, it really adds to the narrative that I've created where it's, <laughs> this is the middle scene in the movie where he's lost his mind and he's, Still drunk and recovering from talking shit about this guy at the bar. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, w- I would watch that movie. I, I don't do horror or, you know, gore. Really, right. But I would watch that movie. Uh, so, Joel, uh, any last words about My Bloody Valentine, about Good Charlotte, or about yourself? Um, well, nothing really personal is going on, but I just, I think... My Bloody Valentine, this might be the best Good Charlotte song from the best Good Charlotte record. Mm. And I don't I don't think I hear enough praise saying for this song. Yeah, I, I, I this really allowed bands like My Chemical Romance, who I'm not saying they were directly inspired at all by Good Charlotte. Right, right. Peers. Right. More or less. But I yeah. think a band as commercially successful as Good Charlotte was, throwing in sprinkles of this kind of like dark, violent storytelling. And yeah. doing it well allowed record labels to want to invest in bands like Mike Hem, who are almost exclusively yeah. this. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I, you know, I, I would love to talk to eventually get some, maybe some people who worked at, you know, record labels or, or managers, you know, publicists, right. agents that that have worked, you know, either with Good Charlotte or, or in similar scenes over the years to, to share their view on, yeah. on things. Would be awesome. Joel, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad we got to do this. So uh, where can we find you on the internet? Um, I'm on Twitter at Joel Funk II, um, which is like the Roman numeral two. Um, and I'm on, you can find my writing at substreammagazine.com and at getalternative.com. Amazing. Joel, thank you so much. And and listeners, please read Joel's writing. It's fantastic. Uh, thank you. He did a while back this absolutely amazing essay about the Dixie Chicks being punk rock, and you should seek that out and read it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the among- Dixie Chicks are the uh, most punk rock. Oh, yeah. Um, among many other pieces, but that was one that sticks out for me. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Joel, for being on the show. You can follow Generation GC at Generation GC Pod, P-O-D, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also follow me, Molly, at M Huddleson at M-H-U-D-E-L-S-O-N, on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. We will be with you next week talking about a song from the Chronicles of Life and Death.